It is so good to see you in the house of the Lord tonight as we come to the final part of 1 Samuel. We're going to wrap up 1 Samuel, and the only problem is we won't read anything from 1 Samuel uh, because everything leads to the king. That's what all of 1 Samuel is about. 1 Samuel, the main context of it is that there is the nation of Israel and Israel has watched how everybody else has a king and how, man, they're organized and they're not just a bunch of ragtag and they're not just, they've got somebody to keep them in line and somebody to keep them. And they decide that we need a king. Samuel, who is the last of the judges, who tells them, look, you already have a king. God is your king. God reigns and rules. He's the king of everything. You don't have to have a king just over your nation. He's, no, we want a king. And God in his sovereignty and wisdom tells Samuel, it's okay. Give them what they want. I'm going to go ahead and tell you who we're going to start with and Saul and we'll eventually get to David. And, but the fact is, is that they begin a process that at the front you would think, man, they're totally out of God's will. No, God has an ultimate plan and a larger plan to create a kingdom that is worldwide. And so because of that, it doesn't catch God by surprise. It doesn't, doesn't startle him. He's like, that's more than okay. It's going to work just fine with what I want to do and how I intend for it to end up. And so we look at that first Samuel and understand that we need a king. And we've talked about through this process, Samuel, Hannah, who we began with. We've talked about Eli and his two sons. We've talked about Saul and we've talked about Jonathan, who were the first regime who God rejected and said, I'm going to take all of that family out. And we talked last week about David, who is this and, and we got a chance to really look at his character and how he's made up. And, and, and he is this, this incredibly driven person who God says, that's a man after my heart. That's, that's somebody I, I can work with. Well, we finally get to the final part and the final character. And surprise, every book in the Bible is a picture of Christ. Every book from Leviticus to Deuteronomy to, to any of the prophets or anything you want to read, the Psalms, they all are pointing to Christ, who is the true king. He is the king of kings. And so tonight, let's look at how that bridges from where we've been in 1 Samuel to how that connects and how that book of the Bible connects to the king that we have and the world has, whether they believe it or not, or accept it or not, it's already a signed deal. So go with me in your Bible, and let's go to 2 Samuel then, chapter 7, verses 12 through 16. And this is David reaching the end of his life, or getting older, and he is thinking about, okay, my lineage and, and my life and, and, and what it's meant. And God brings a prophecy into his life that is going to set in motion all the prophecies that will come forth. When your days are fulfilled and you rest with your fathers, I will set your seed after you, who will come from your body and I will establish 
his kingdom. He shall build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. I will be his father, and he shall be my son. If he commits iniquity, I will chasten him with the rod of men and with the blows of the sons of men. But my mercy shall not depart from him. As I took it from Saul, whom I removed from before you, and your house and your kingdom shall be established forever. Say after with me, forever. Before you, your throne shall be established for. This is God through the prophet coming to David. And when he comes to David, Nathan tells him, this is from God. Don't worry. Your son is going to take the throne, but don't even think that small. God is going to, through your bloodline and through your loins, is going to establish the kingdom that will last forever. The lineage of David will last forever. Now we jump into this Matthew, the first chapter, if we had time, and and we don't have to go there. But chapter 1, verse 1, if you read it real quickly, you'll find out that he describes this, that he's of the lineage of David and of the lineage of Abraham. He makes it very clear that this is who Jesus is. So when we open up Matthew and we're like, I don't understand all these folks' names and why all this, this is very important. It also is done in the book of Luke, in Luke the third chapter. And what that is doing is showing you not only Joseph, but his very bloodline. Joseph then, through his, through Matthew, he is the adopted father of Jesus Christ. He is the legal representative family lineage that Jesus can be a part of. Joseph, by accepting Mary as she was and not putting her away, but saying, I will marry you and yours are mine now, He took on the fact that that son inside of you has my name. He will be just as pure a blood of David as anybody. He has my lineage attached to him. Now, to make it double, we read that Mary is also of the same bloodline. She's not from over here in Reuben's class. She is from Judah too. Both of them are from the bloodline of Judah. So the blood of Mary and the lineage of Joseph come together to create a heritage that brings Jesus Christ into the world. This is important. So 17 times, as you've got to mark in your sheet, 17 times and 17 verses in the New Testament describe Jesus as the son of David. 17 scriptures and times in the New Testament, it describes him this way. Go with me to Romans 1 and 3. Romans 1 and 3. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who was born of the seed of... According to the... Now, not of the Spirit. Not of the Spirit. Go with me to... To, to the 20th chapter, or Matthew 15 and verse 22. And behold, a woman of Cana came in that region and cried out to him, 
Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of... Now, why would she say that? She is from where? Cana. She's not even a Jew. But when she acknowledges him, she comes to him and says, let me tell you who you are. You are the son of David. You are the one that's been prophesied. You are the Messiah that is to come. You are the one that God has ordained to come into this world. Mary, Joseph, and the Holy Spirit coming upon Mary to create a new bloodline, a new era, a new first man. The last time we hear that God created man or brought man into existence, it's Adam. That's why later we will read that Jesus is the second man, Adam. He is the second one created by the Holy Spirit, brought into existence through the bloodline of Mary, through the bloodline of Joseph, through the bloodline of David, so that he can fulfill the prophecies and fulfill the journey that God had ordained. Israel said, we want a king. And God says, I will give you a king. I will give you what you're asking for. Go with me to chapter 20 and verse 30. And behold, two blind men sitting by the road, when they heard that Jesus was passing by, cried out saying, have mercy on us, O Lord. Notice the Lord is in all capital letters, Lord of all, Son of David. It's it's not that they're just saying words. Many times what hurts us in our prayer life is the Lord, and I wonder many times when we say that, are you meaning that with a capital L and little O-R-D? Or are you meaning that with a big L, big O, big R, big D? Because it makes a difference how you say it. If he's the Lord, he's just, he's just kind of in charge. But if he's the Lord, he owns it all. And so when they're calling out to him, when we see these miracles of the lady healed with an issue of blood, or we see any of these type things, when they're saying this out to him, they know what they're saying. They are making a declaration that can get them killed. Understand, the Pharisees had already said, if you proclaim him to be Lord, we'll kick you out of the synagogue. We'll kick you out of the church. We'll remember the blind man that had the parents who said, Hey, we don't know nothing about this. We're not wanting you just ask him why? Because they didn't want to get kicked out. Well, these people, every time they say this openly and scream it out loud, when blind Bartimaeus, oh son of David, son of David, when they're screaming this out loud, it's why it gets Jesus' attention because they're calling him by his right title. Some people say, well, you just call on the name of Jesus. Well, it depends what name you're calling. If he's just one of the top five you got, it's not going to work. But if you have put him in his proper place, yes, every time. Go to chapter 21 and verse 15 of Matthew. But when the chief priests and scribes saw the wonderful things that he did and the children crying out in the temple and saying, Hosanna to the They were mad. 
This is the triumphant entry. This is, this is where Jesus comes into the temple. And when Jesus comes into the temple, they're screaming, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, O son of David, O son. And man, they are mad because they know exactly what they're saying. They're saying he is the man. He's our king. He is our Lord. Now you've got to get this because... 1 Samuel is setting us up for a king. And the New Testament of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John gives us our king. The very thing that they said we want, and the very thing that in 2 Samuel God promises that through you, through your bloodline, the king will come. Guarantee it. The king is coming through David. So Luke 19 and 47 says it this way. And I'm going to cover a lot of scripture tonight if you hadn't noticed. Luke 19 and 47. And he was teaching daily in the temple, but the chief priests and the scribes and the leaders of the people sought to destroy him. Because this is why. Because of what the people were crying out, that's why they decided we got to get rid of this guy. Go to Mark 12, verses 35 through 37. When Jesus answered and said, while he taught in the temple, how is it that the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? So here Jesus is in the temple teaching. What do the people say? You are the son of David. You are the son of David. You are the son of David. And so while they're trying to wrestle this out, Jesus comes along and says, Let me give you a bigger problem. Let me give you a bigger problem to have to figure out. You hear all these people saying, son of David, son of David, son of David. And y'all are struggling with this. When Jesus answered and said, while he taught in the temple, how is it that the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? He said, this is what you've been teaching. For David himself said... By the Holy Spirit, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your... Therefore, David himself calls him... Now, how is it he's his son then? And the common people heard him... See, they understood it. They could make the jump theologically. They could say, okay, Jesus came into this world supernaturally, had to come in supernaturally, because when David was, he's who David was talking to. That was David's Lord, and David's Lord decided one day to come through David's bloodline, and even though you call him the son of David... He's greater than David. And so the scribes who are struggling with your son of David, he says, let me give you a bigger problem. Before David was, I was. I was David's Lord. You remember Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego? I was the one dancing with them in the fire. That's what he's saying. That's what he's proclaiming in front of them. He says, says, you know, the man Daniel, when he was praying, who do you think it was that came into his room and put his hand on his shoulder and said, it's all right, Daniel. Who do you think that was? That was me. 
I mean, he says, let me take you further than your mind can go. Before Abraham was, I was. If Abraham could see me today, he would say, that's him. That's the one. He was one of the ones that walked up that day and sat at my tent and told me my wife was going to have a baby in a year. I'd know him anywhere. And, and, And so when he's doing this, he's describing himself as the son of David. Go to Psalms 110 and 1. This is what the Pharisees are struggling with. The Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your... And that's David. That's the man we're studying in 1 Samuel. And he says, I don't understand all this, but my Lord said to me, hey, there's coming a time I'm going I'm to come through and I'm going to make all the enemies sit down to me. But I'm coming through you. Go to Revelations 22 and 16. Just one last scripture to understand this son of David. I, Jesus, have sent my angel. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you these things in the churches. I am the... And the... The bright and morning... That emblem they wear, the star, he said, that's me. They don't realize it, but what they're wearing is me. I am the bright and morning star. And in Revelation 22, he describes, he says, what David was, I was the root. Before there was a twig called David, I was the root. And not only am I the root of David, but I also turned around and became the offspring of David. That's how I'm the son of David. Any questions? We, we can stop. I, want you to, I, want, I don't want you to have no misunderstanding. We've got to walk this thing out. I know it's videotaped. I know all this will be on, on YouTube, whatever, but that's okay. I want to make sure in this room tonight, you have a good understanding of who he was in connection to David. Because we've studied all of 1 Samuel to get to David. And yet David is saying, that's my boss. That's not my kid. That's my boss. That's my Lord. And he just came around and used my bloodline to come back into this world. In a miraculous way. So once we understand that he's... the son of David, then we can understand he is the son of God. If he's the root and he is the first, then go with me to John 1 and 1 and let's understand this as we take another step and we crown him king. The first part of his crown is that he comes from the bloodline of David. He is the son of David and he is also the root of David. But listen what the Bible says. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the Word. He was the Son of God. Go to verse 14. And the Word became and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and... Now now understand this, it's, it's not that He just came into the world of His own. 
He is a living representative of God. He is not a lesser. He is not a created. He is God incarnate among us. This is what he says. And the word became, that's Jesus. So who is this Jesus? And he dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. Okay, so Jesus was brought into the world. He, he, he was put here and, 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 and he was given glory. No, 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 he wasn't given glory. Listen to what it says. The glory as of the only begotten of the... The word only begotten in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth him would not perish but have everlasting life. Understand that word begotten is not that he was born. That's, that's trying in the English to, to write it. But when you go back and understand exactly what that word is saying, it's saying basically he was the essence of the thing. He, he is a true picture. He is the piece of the true thing. There is none that is above him. There is only, he is, if I can say it in in an English way, he is one of one. He is one of only one. And the one of only one came into the world to shine the light of God to us. Therefore, not only is he the son of David, he also is the son of God. We know this because in Luke 1 and 35, notice Luke 1 and 35. <clears throat> and the angel answered and said to her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore, also the Holy One who is to be born will be called the... He said, this is not just a son of David thing. But also what you're carrying is is the very essence, 100% God, 100% man. 100% God, his very essence is pure God, but it's housed in an earthly, true vessel. Not some mystical, not some some magical vessel. It's an earthly vessel, but it is housing dynamite. Does that make sense? Some of you are like, I don't know. Hang in there. You've got to raise how you see him or otherwise he will just become a Christmas thing and he'll only be an Easter thing. And You've got to see him in his true essence. Now we see this in Revelations, don't we? When John, who says, oh, I love him and he loves me and all this. But when John saw him in his true essence standing there, John said, when I saw him, what did he do? Fell as dead. He just fell as dead. He's like, oh, Lord, what am I? And he tried to describe him, and he's like, you're seeing my essence. Go with me to Matthew 26, 63 through 66. Here's what it says. But Jesus kept silent. This is when the Pharisees, they're at the final trial. They brought him in by night. They came and got him in the, in the Garden of Gethsemane, drug him, pulled the beard, slapped him, blindfolded. They've treated him all types of ways all night long. And, and finally, they get to the false witnesses, and they won't hold up. But he says, but Jesus kept silent. And the high priest answered and said to him, I put you under oath. Finally, put Jesus on the stand. You're, you're on oath now. 
by the living God, tell us if you are the Christ, the Son of And Jesus said to him, it is as you said. Nevertheless, I say to you, therefore, hereafter, you will see the Son of Man sitting on the right hand of power coming in the clouds of heaven. Jesus throws that in. We'll cover that in a second. But he says, listen to me. You spoke right. I am the Son of God. I am the son of David, and I am the son of God. Go to Hebrews 1 and 3. The writer of Hebrews tries to to put this in context. Is this all right tonight? I'm sorry I'm not just preaching. I've got to teach this. You've got to get this because this, this affects your prayer life. This affects when you close your eyes and you start to see him, who you're praying to, who you're talking to. This is how you magnify him. Who is he? Who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by his word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down at the right hand of the majesty on... What he's trying to do is give you a picture of what I've used scripture for a while ago, trying to explain to you, okay, how is this the... Okay, he's saying, listen... He is the light. He is the word. He was there in the beginning. And he's trying to say, listen, what you beheld was the brightness of the glory of God. What you beheld was the express image of God. If you said, man, I wish I could see God. You did. And he showed his power because by the power of his word, he upholds all things. While you were with him, didn't you see him talk to water? Hold me up. Whatever he spoke, you saw it all things by the word of his power when he had by himself no help. God had withdrawn his hands and said, It's all you. I've poured out all the wrath, I've poured out all the anger, I've poured out all that it was on humanity, and it's on you now. But because of who you are, and because you are the Son of God, and you are the Son of David, and you are the chosen one, and you are the one that is a reflection of Almighty, you were able to finish and purge the sins by your death. And resurrection. And you, by that same power, is able to sit down on the right hand of the majesty on high. I love in Revelations, one of my favorite sermons to ever preach, is in Revelations when they say nobody is able to open the scrolls. And and the Bible says, all of heaven starts to cry. Nobody can open the scrolls. And, and John starts crying. Nobody can open the scrolls. And, and the angel looks at Shh. Sorry. He said, the Lion of Judah will open it. And he said, I looked and beheld a lamb. 
All wrapped up in one is this lion who is like a lamb. He is the son of God. He is the son of David. But his title for himself, so when we get all caught up in titles, this is important. 17 times he's called what? The son of... Now that's a title. I am the son of David. 82 times Jesus spoke of himself as the son of man. I didn't come to be served. I came. Only one time is it used where someone else is speaking about him as the Son of Man, and that's Stephen in Acts 7 when he's being stoned, and he said, I see the Son of Man standing, who at Hebrews 1 and 11 is seated at majesty, but for Stephen's sake, he said, I'm going to get up just a second and just come on on, Stephen. You're doing good, son. Do you see it? Ezekiel, and I need to explain this, Ezekiel 93 times is called the Son of Man. When he talks to Ezekiel, it's just almost like he's talking down to Ezekiel. Son of Man, what do you see? Son of Man, do the... But when he's talking about Jesus, you've got to change it. When he's saying that, he's saying, Oh, Son of Man. Oh, Son of Man. When he talks about Jesus, it's the Son of Man. He is the representative of all mankind. He said, you're the representative of your daddy. Jesus is the Son of Man. He represents all of humanity on trial. He represents all of humanity that's under the curse. He is able to carry the weight and be the Son of Man. What does that mean? Okay, number one, A, on your, on your part, it means, or it, it means human being. In John, 1 John 4 and 2, let's, let's read. 1 John 4 and 2. By this we know the Spirit of God. Every spirit that confesses Jesus Christ has come in the... You can't, you can't be truly confessing Christ... If you confess him in some way to where you say, well, Jesus was different. Jesus was special. If that's the case, then we have no hope. Because if it takes special, then we don't have special. But John makes it very clear that when you confess Christ, yes, he was the son of God. But you had better make very clear that you understand that he was 100% man just like you. Tempted in every way. Tempted sickness and tempted with fear and tempted with anxiety and tempted with starvation and tempted with anger and tempted with every aspect that you could be tempted with. So when I look at Jesus, I have to first understand that he understands my troubles and my trials. He was 100% man. Human. He was a human being. That's what it means to be son of man. The second thing it means to be son of man is to also be humbled. 
It means to be humbled. Go to Isaiah 53 and 3. And let's look at what this being human encompasses. He is despised and rejected by men. A man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised and we did not esteem him. Nobody said anything good about him. This is Isaiah describing the Jesus that he sees in the future walking the earth. He didn't have a covenant group. He didn't have a praise team. He didn't have a prayer chain of his own. He took on all of humanity and said, show me the worst of it. Take me up there and for 40 days I won't eat. Luke 9 and 58, he describes his own life. And Jesus said to him, and this is someone who said, Lord, I'll follow you, but I got a few things I need to take care of and a few things I got to do. He said, foxes have holes. And God, and he could say it this way, God gave foxes a hole to live in. And my father gave birds a nest to live in. But the my Father has given him nowhere to lay his. When you lay your head down tonight on your pillow, you realize God didn't even give that to him. When you're thinking about how bad your life is, you better realize his Father gave him nothing. Go with me to Matthew 11 and 19. The Son of Man came eating and drinking, and they say, Look, a glutton and a wine-bibber, a friend of tax collectors and sinners, but wisdom is justified by her. Why, why would he say wisdom is justified by his children? Well, here's the thing. Who took him in? Who, who gave him something to eat? Who invited him to their parties? He said the sinners had enough sense to know I'd like to be hanging out with him. And you who think you got it together, I wouldn't fit at your house. You wouldn't invite me to your party. He said wisdom is justified by its children. Some of us sit in here knowing we got stuff we need to change, the stuff we need to fix, and we and yet somebody can walk in off the street, ain't hardly got two pair of shoes and got enough sense to get out and come to an altar and pray. Wisdom is justified by its children. That's a powerful and he and he throws that son of man. He said, My dad gave me nowhere to sleep. I've been despised, said Isaiah. Sinners are the people that took me in. Matthew 17 and 12. But I say to you that Elijah has come already, and they did not know him, but did to him whatsoever they wished. Likewise, the Son of Man is also about to suffer at their hands. He says, I know what's coming. 
I know what my father's planned. What if I told you next year is going to be the worst year of your life? What if I just told you next year, if, if, if you can preach, you're going to lose your voice. If you got a job, you're going to get fired by February. You're going to spend the first seven, eight months trying to find a job. Probably going to lose your house and car in the process because you ain't going to have no money. Now, my question is, come October and November, am I still going to see you in church? See, he knew I'm despised. Got no nothing my dad's given me. I was born in a manger. Wasn't even born in a, in a regular place, in a cow stall. I have no reputation. Sinners are the only people that like hanging out with me. And what my father has planned for me is nothing but pain. I don't think we truly understand Jesus. I don't think we take enough time to really understand who he was. We see him boobopping along in his little white and blue jacket, and we think, boy, that would have been so cool to be with Jesus. Let me tell you something, it would not have been cool. It would have been stressful. Pharisees, Sadducees, every type of sect following him around, hanging on every word, trying to find one thing he says wrong. People always needing and coming to him at all times. I, I need this. I need it. And, and whole cities wanting to make him their king only because that he would feed them. He could get on a boat and try to get to the other side and say, well, I'm going to try to help the people over there. And they would run all the way around the, the place and meet him on the other side, still wanting stuff. And we complain about what we have to go through. Come on, guys. Philippians 2. 6 through 8, he takes it even further. Who being in the form of God, because he is the son of who? He is the son of David. He is the son of God. He is the, and yet notice, who being in the form of God, inside his human body, he could do anything he wants. Satan knew, he said, speak to them stones and turn them into bread. I know you can do it. You can make pumpernickel bread. That's what I'd have made. Maybe been some butter with it. That other rock's butter. Forget the bread. I'm going to show you how good I can do it. Jesus says, no. Who being in the form of God did not consider it robbery to be equal with God. I told you, he is the essence of God. But made himself... When he had all of this in him and could have, he said, I'm not going to. When he's at a wedding in Cana and, and, and they run out of wine and he's like, man, I could touch a few of these jugs right here. And No, no, I don't, I don't want to bring any. I, I will make myself lower than I am. 
I will push myself even lower than my Father has made me. Taking on the form of a bond servant, he said, he said not only am I just going to go through this life and be who I'm supposed to be to God, but I'm going to, I'm going to take on the essence of a bond servant to my Father. And a bond servant works like this. Let's say, let's say, Kenneth, you're my bond servant. We got a big old field we got to go pick. Here, here's some water. You're going to have a busy day. I sit down, I'm watching you pick it, pick all day. Man, you're getting after it. You got about 12 good rows today, buddy. You done good. You come in about five o'clock, you, you wore out. I mean, wore out. You've been picking, dragging that pea sack behind you. And, and I'm sitting there. You come dragging in. What you going to do? Go take a shower. Go get you something to drown. You done worked all day. No, that's not what you're going to do. When you drag that sack up, you're going to put it over in the shade. You're going to look at me and you're going to say, are you hungry? I'm going to say, you know, what? sitting here watching you all day, I done got plum hungry. I'll take care of it. And you're going to go fix food and go draw me some water and bring all of that and put it in front of me. And you're going to look at me and say, are you good? Yeah. If it's all right, I'm going to go get cleaned up. That's a bond servant. That's scriptural. You can, you can read that in the Bible. It's not many ways how we think, but that's how Jesus thought. Making himself lower. Taking on the form of a bond summer and coming in the likeness of and being found in the appearance as a man. In other words, he pushed himself down so low that if you didn't just know it and was given the gift of God to know it, you wouldn't know he had anything in him. That's why he tells Peter, he, Peter's watched him walk on what Peter's been watching all this stuff. And Peter's, when he asks, who am I? Peter says, thou art the son of God. I mean, I've been watching you. He said, no, 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 Peter. Flesh and blood couldn't have given you that because watching me, you couldn't have seen it. Only way you could have known what you know is that my father revealed that to you. The old limbo song is, how low can you go? Jesus didn't just come into the earth. He went lower than any man had ever gone. And he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of even, even the death of the cross. He is, by definition, when we talk about the Son of Man, he is human. He is humble. Number three, let me get it for you. He is what? Deity. Because he's willing to go and he's willing to be, this is what the Bible says in Matthew 9 and 6. But that you may know that the Son of 
has power on earth to forgive sins. He said unto the paralytic, Arise and take up your bed and go to your house. He's able to forgive sins. Now, you didn't see this all the time, but every now and then it would get out of him. He's trying to do what? Hold it in. I mean, even when he feeds the 5,000. We don't have enough time. Even when he feeds the 5,000. Understand this. How does he do it? He sits down. He says, bring me the food. He blesses it and breaks it and gives it to who? Who does the miracle? Who fed the 5,000? See, that's the problem. But that you may know, He is the Son of Man. He has got all of this deity. It's like if I wanted to, I could snap my fingers and stuff just start falling out of the sky if I wanted to. But no, 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 no. Because I'm humble and because I'm, I'm a son of man, I can't let anybody know what I'm doing. So I'm just going to bless it. I'm going to give it to my disciples. And I'm going to say, y'all, y'all go pass it out. And the disciples, the more they kept breaking off, it kept getting bigger. And they came back with 12 baskets. And Jesus like, oh, my goodness, what have y'all done? How did y'all do that? Now we know that they, they think like this and, and aren't very smart because when they get in the boat later and forget to take food with them, they remind themselves that he's angry at us because, you know, we, ain't got, we didn't pack no food. We ain't got no. But see, it hit them then. If you gave me a crumb, I can't make more out of it. We were duped. That's why when Jesus comes down from the Mount of Transfiguration, the man who has the son, who has a demonic spirit that comes upon him, epileptic spirit, who's getting chewed out at the moment? Because they said, we brought them to your disciples and they couldn't heal them. Well, guess who set the disciples up? But these are the same disciples. It was breaking bread and feeding 5,000 while ago. Now they can't even heal this poor little boy. And Jesus is like, how long do I have to deal with y'all? What he's saying is, listen, I am deity. Go to Mark 2 and 28. I know we got to hurry. Mark 2 and 28. Therefore, the Son of Man is also Lord of the... It sneaks out of him. It's like... Okay, I'm sitting in here, sitting in this church service. There's this lady over there with a withered hand. Oh, man. The Spirit's like, you need to heal that lady. No, 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 no. Heal that lady. Woman, stand up. Stretch out your hand. Now everybody wants to kill me. Because I did it on Saturday. Turn. You you have to see this from a humorous... God is... Pulling it out of him. But Jesus is not allowing him to do it. So that when it's done, it brings no glory to Jesus. It only brings glory to the Father. Go with me to Mark 9 and 9. 
Now, as they came down from the mountain, he commanded them that they should tell no one the things that they had seen till the Son of Man had risen from the dead. He said, oh, by the way, what you just saw isn't anything. I'll be coming back to life here in a while because I have the power to do that. I have the power to lay down my life and I have the power to do what? Raise it back up. Go to John 5 and 27. And has given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the... Because he's made himself lowly, because he's made himself humble, because he's done this, God says, you judge. I trust your judgment. That's, that's bad for the fig tree. Poor old fig tree should have done better. Because he walks up to the fig tree and he looks through the leaves and ain't no figs. Take fig tree, lie to me. Curse you. Come back the next day. It's dead. It's gone. From the roots, it's dead. And the disciples are like, Lord, it died. And Jesus is like, yo, I don't get it. If you had a little bit of faith, you could speak to that mountain over and tell it to grow legs and go crawl in the ocean. And it would do it. Because he's got deity. Matthew 26 and 64. I told you we get back to this. It took me a while. The same people that told him, and when he says, I am the son of God, listen to what he says. And Jesus said to him, it is as you said, nevertheless, I'm fixing to tell you something about who I am. I say to you, hereafter, you will see the son of man. Didn't say the son of God, the son of David. He said, because his posture, I'm a nobody. But let me tell you something, you somebodies. This nobody, the next time you see this nobody, you're going to see him the way he really is. <coughs> Sitting at the right hand of the power and coming in the clouds of heaven. When he comes the next time on his white horse and he splits the skies and all them people that thought he wasn't who he was, but he is. And on his chest, King of kings and Lord of lords, the king has showed up. So ultimately, he is the true king. Let me show you. Daniel chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Let me stop again. Any questions about the deity, who he is? This is so important. You, you need to take these scriptures and they're going to probably make you sleep good. So just think of it like medicine. Just think of it like if I read this, what pastor gave me, I will sleep good tonight. Probably get halfway through it. But if you can learn it, it will change the way you see him. It will change your prayer life. It'll change the way you see the world around you. So tonight, when we pray, we're praying to the true king. Now we can put it all together because we can sum it up and let's look at who this king of kings is. Daniel 7, verses 13 and 14. I was watching in the night visions and behold, one like the... He said, I saw this guy, just a regular looking guy. Nothing special about it. 
one like the Son of Man, coming with the clouds of heaven, and he came to the Ancient of Days, and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a... That's what the Bible says. That because he was willing to become the man that he was, in Philippians I read to you, to take on the form of a servant, God has highly exalted him and given him a name above every name. That at the name of Jesus every tongue will confess and every knee will bow. You ain't got to worry about the... Oprah Winfrey's or the whoever else you think is a somebody, they'll all bow. They'll all acknowledge him for who he is. Daniel said, I saw him. He was given dominion and power and kingdom that all people's nations, languages should, should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion. Oh, hold on now. What did 2 Samuel say? That I will establish through you, David, a kingdom that will be for... That's what he did. The languages will serve you in dominions of everlasting dominion, which shall not pass away. And his kingdom, the one which shall not be destroyed... Matthew 13, verse 41. The Son of Man will send out His angels and they will gather out of His kingdom all things that offend. And those who practice... Go to chapter 16, verse 28. Assuredly, I say to you, there are some standing here who shall not taste death till they see the Son of Man coming in His Go with me to Hebrews 2, 5 through 9. For he has not put the world to come, for he has not put the world to come, of which we speak in subject to angels. But one testified in a certain place, saying, That is man that you, what is man that you should be mindful of him, or the son of man that you should take care of him. You have made him a little lower than the angels. You have crowned him with glory and honor and set him over the works of your hands. You have put all things in subjection under his feet. For in that he put all subjection under... Who's he talking about? Jesus. He says, you've put all of this under him. For in that he put all in subjection under Him. He left nothing that is not put under Him. Is there anything that He's not in control of? Nope. Is there anything He doesn't own? He is King of kings. Lord of lords. He don't have to go to a realtor. He owns it already. It's all His. Right down to your next breath. While you're planning your vacation this year, he's already determined whether you're going to get there or not. You thinking, oh, we're going to have a good vacation. And Jesus is like, they better check my Rolodex. I don't know if that's on the agenda. It's not being ugly. It's just saying he, he is the one in control. You either can accept it, fight it, argue about it, but you're not changing it. He left nothing that is not put under him. But we know... But now we do not yet see all things put 
We don't see it all. We, we, just, we know it, but we don't see it. But we see Jesus, who was made a little lower than the angels for the suffering and death and crowned with glory and honor that he, by the grace of God, may taste death. That's who he is. Go with me to Revelations 17 and 14. And I'll wrap us up. These will make war with the Lamb. And the Lamb will overcome them. For He is the Lord of lords and the King of kings. And those who are with Him are called... Now, if you were to check your life tonight, would that describe you? Would that be on the resume if Jesus looked at you and said, let me tell you two things I know about you. I chose you, and I know you're faithful. Because that's going to be the description of those that are with him. You may be short, tall, bald, full of hair, big feet, ingrown toenails, I don't know. But I know two things for sure. God's going to say, I chose you. And I don't believe there's anybody in this room that's here by accident. You didn't come out tonight unless God is already speaking to your spirit and chose you. You may not even know why you're here, but God does. Because I chose you. Now the question is, are you faithful to it? I know you don't see everything yet. I know it ain't all visual yet. Do you know that you know that He is the King and the Lord? Go to verse 16 of chapter 19. And He has on His robe and on His thigh a name written. King of kings and Lord of lords. Tonight, we've worked through the book of 1 Samuel because they wanted a king. And God said before the foundation of the world, I had me a king. It was my son. And in the fullness of time, I sent my son to redeem and to make all things right. Now, I know in this room tonight, everything may not seem right. And it may not... You may not get treated right. But let me explain to you, it's all right. Because when it's all tallied and figured at the end, it'll be settled right. That's those that are chosen and are faithful. Will you stand with me? You'll have to wrestle these scriptures out about seven more times. But as you do, I hope if you need to re-listen to this, it'll help you in your quiet time with Him to just stop it ever so often. That, I'll give you a secret. As you're playing it and God moves, just stop it. 
and just sit right there and let God say who He is right there. Don't, don't just run through, oh, that was good. No, stop it. There's times when I'm, when I'm writing and when I'm reading and when I'm studying, I just, I know my wife sits up there and she thinks I've lost my mind. But I just can't, I can't take no more. I just stop it. And I just take a walk. And I'm like, man, I thought I understood you. I thought I could see you. But I can't. You're too big. And that's okay. Because I can come back and get another piece. And, and if you're in this room tonight, this is what God wants. He chose you. But it takes work and development to become faithful. You can't just say, oh, I'll never mess up. Yeah, that's, that's a bad promise. But you can work at saying, God, help me become faithful. I believe in you. But I still stumble and I'm still bumbling. And Give me a picture of you so big that when something comes, I'm like, oh, Lord, no, not for that. Ain't no way I'm making that swap. Show me. It's already settled. You are King of Kings and you're Lord of Lords. If the world doesn't know it, if the news don't proclaim it, it's okay. It's already done. And Father, that's enough. If you're in this room tonight with every head bowed and you say, Pastor, I need, I need to do that. I, I know I'm cho- I know God's talked to me, and I know God loves me, and I, I may not be lovable, but I, I know He loves me. But I sure foul it up. I'm not as faithful as I need to be. Help me to see Him bigger than I do. So that when I'm watching something or I'm talking or I'm doing that I see him, how big he is in everything. Down to my very next breath, how big he is. He reigns and rules over all. He holds it by the power of his word. And nothing can move it. Let me see him. Father, tonight for that person that's in this room that says, Lord, let me see you this week. God, as they take these scriptures and they, they just wrestle them out, as they spend time with you, I pray that you will come in like a mighty wind. You will come in and show yourself that they will have to pull over the car, that they will just have to stop what they're listening to, that the tears, that the just, just as you rush into their life will become so powerful that people will say, man, something's happened. What's, what's happened to you? And they can just smile and say, I see him better than I used to. He sees me fine, but I see him better than I used to. Father, this is my prayer. Give us a king, your king, Jesus Christ. And we pray all this in his name. 
Amen. God bless you. In a couple of weeks, just letting you know, our February, as soon as February runs, we'll be having our men's group starting back. We'll have ladies' groups. We have all different types of studies going on. The one that'll be going on in here, if you want to be a part of it, is people have really asked about Israel. So I'm going to do a series, um, The History of Israel. And it'll, it'll roll us right into Revelations, and we'll talk a little bit about the signs of the times, the end times, and we'll get into some of that. So we'll have a great journey, because there's going to be a lot of questions over these next several years about Israel and who they are and all this kind of stuff. But we're going to have some incredible classes, ladies' classes. This Sunday, Don't if you want to do something for me, sign up for a class. Be part of a class. Don't. That's where the groups are smaller. People are always asking, I wish I could spend time with Pastor Lot. Well, you better run up here because this is usually where you catch me. I can't promise I go dinner all the time or do. I try. But the small groups is where you find your friends. It's where you find those people that's going to pray for you, that know you, that know your name and know your story. Do not live your life without some small group. And we've got tons of them and a bunch of them starting. So it's all new. So it ain't like, well, they've been together for 40 years. No, they ain't never been together. So you're going to be the, right there with them. Get in there and be a part. And, and be part of the family. We've got a big family, but you need a small family. God bless you.